The content in this program is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any information or other material as investment, financial, tax, or other advice. The views expressed by the participants are solely their own. A participant may have taken or recommended any investment position discussed, but may close such position or alter its recommendation at any time without notice. Nothing contained in this program constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in any jurisdiction. Please consult your own investment or financial advisor for advice related to all investment decisions. Don't forget to follow at Lead Lag Report on Twitter to join these conversations live and check out the Lead Lag Report at www.leadlagreport.com. Use promo code PODCAST30 for two weeks free and 30% off to get access to award-winning research and anticipate stock market crashes, corrections, and bear markets. And now, on to our Lead Lag Live discussion hosted by Michael Guyot. Joining me for the hour, Tiago Ruiz. Uh, he's going to be talking about all things Brazil. If any of you have any questions or you want to engage, don't hesitate to click the button on the bottom left. Just keep yourself on mute, and I'll try to bring you up. So we'll make this interactive as much as possible for the hour. Okay, so Tiago, you sent me a couple of uh, things to ask you about. Let's let's first talk about uh, your background, what it is that you do, and how you look at at markets in Brazil. I used to be a portfolio manager in an equity fund here in Brazil. Then I started a research company. Uh, we do research on equities, real estate investment trusts in Brazil. And now we have our own funds. So that's my background. I, I love uh, stocks. I've been investing since I was 17 years old. So uh, more than half of my life spent on Brazilian capital markets. Okay, so let's talk about what's happened this year because Brazil, for lack of a better way of saying it, has been uh, completely on fire. I mean, it's just been unrelenting on the upside. And obviously for the last decade, it hasn't done too much. But what? how, how do you explain the way the markets behaved so far uh, this year relative to everything else that we're seeing globally, which is showing obviously much more weakness? Okay. Uh, as you said, over the last decade, Brazil was probably the worst stock market in the world. So our stocks are cheap now. And I believe that people like you are starting to realize that Brazilian stocks are cheap. And I believe that over the last five years, most of the Brazilian companies are increasing their dividends, are having better results, a stronger balance sheet. I, I believe that i never seen... The Brazilian companies with strongest balance sheet that, as we see today. So I believe that international investors are starting to realize that Brazilian companies are profitable. They have strong balance sheet. They they are very competitive in some niche, especially commodities. Our banks are very strong, strong balance sheet, strong ROE. So I believe that people are starting to realize that Brazilian companies are paying 5, 10, 15, even 20% on dividend yield. And people are starting to compare with their alternatives. So when they compare, I believe that some people believe that Brazil is a cheap market and they're starting to invest here in our country. Okay, let's play with the word cheap for a moment because you often hear people talk about 
investments being cheap, but cheap can be a bit subjective. Mm -hmm. How do you define cheap when it comes to the markets? Okay. I believe that you can compare some ratios. PE ratio, Brazil is below global average, is below even our own average over the last 10 or 15 years here in Brazil. You can compare dividend yields. I believe that it's very hard, rare to find a country with higher dividend yields than Brazil, probably Russia right now, but we don't what to expect from Russia over the next 12, 12 months. I believe that I, I would not suggest if you're an income investor to, to do <laughs> Russia right now. But Brazil, it's I believe it's safer than than Russia. It's not it's not the big big statement here. I believe everybody will agree with me. And price book value, Brazil is cheap. I believe every every ratio that you compare Brazil, Brazil is cheaper than global average, and Brazil is cheaper than its own average. And how much of that is related to the commodity-sensitive yeah. nature, right? Let's let's talk about how it relates to this kind of commodity cycle. Brazil have a, a very important part of its index related to commodities, especially oil and mining. Vale is a very important company here, but not only Vale. We have steel companies like Gerdau, CSN, Usiminas that are very important here. So... Brazil has a very important part of its index that's related to commodity. But even if you exclude this part of the index, banks are cheaper than average, energy companies, utilities are cheaper than its on average. So I believe that even if you exclude commodities, Brazil is cheaper than its on average. As far as the, the banking sector goes, so rates rose quite a bit. You know, earlier last year, right, it's when the, the selling started going higher. What's the, the nature of sort of lending in Brazil? Because, you know, there are a lot of people here in the space that are going to be from Brazil. I'm from the U.S. here. Mm -hmm. Talk us through sort of how credit flows in Brazil and how that may have improved over the years. I believe that Brazilian banks are one of the most conservatives around the world. Most of the... The credit is related to, how can I say, something that the bank has a guarantee. So it's a very, it's a very safe environment. Banks have a lot of revenues that comes not from credits like investment related things, credit card service. Most of the banks charge their clients to have accounts here. So with all those revenues, banks in Brazil don't need to be very aggressive like sometimes it happens in the United States. When, and you, when you compare the Brazilian banks with other banks, you can see that we, we have a higher ROE with less capital exposure. And that happens because banks in Brazil have lots of revenues related to services. Makes sense. I was looking back at some, some tweet responses. Somebody said, when it comes to the BRICS, now it's just BI, right? It's just Brazil because uh, Russia and China are, are somewhat uninvestable, at least from a from a U.S. perspective. Okay, so so I think the 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 big question is is the move that's happened so far this year is it is it the start of a trend or is it sort of a um, just a natural rally after doing nothing for some period of time, right? Because Brazil's been through this and a lot of emerging markets and broadly have been through this, right? Where you have these kind of big mm -hmm. moves. It looks like it's the start of something and then it gives it back. Mm -hmm. A big move and then gives it back. Mm -hmm. So so is there is there something different this time around that you can identify 
other than you know the cheap nature of Brazil stocks okay. that you think makes this a little bit different than prior? Options? I don't believe. I believe it's the same. We have the same situation that we have in the past. This most of the economy in Brazil didn't become better over the last ten years. The education didn't improve. The infrastructure didn't improve. The I, I would say that the business environment has improved a little, but not much. So we we don't have a sustainable good environment for business. So I believe that when when you do this question, your question is. Something related to commodities. The Brazil will have a good decade or years ahead if commodities have a good years ahead. It's very hard to imagine Brazil have having a very good years ahead if commodities don't go with the index. We'll be back after a quick break. Hello, listeners. Michael Gayet here from Lead Lag Live. Are you ready to take a deep dive into market trends, risk management, and investment strategies? Then you need the Lead Lag Report. Our in-depth analysis helps you understand the financial markets like never before. And guess what? We're giving you a chance to experience it at a discounted rate. Visit theleadlag.report slash leadlaglive and get an exclusive 30% off on your subscription. Don't miss out. Level up your investment game with the Lead Lag Report. And now... Back to our discussion. Okay, so so educate us a little bit. Why is it that over the last decade there hasn't been improvement on the ground? I don't know the, the, the political situation, so I'm sure there's an element of that. But talk through why why is it that structurally Brazil has been maybe somewhat stuck in things? Lots of things happen. First of all, the political side of the equation, Brazil had become uh, a more unstable country over the last decade. We have an impeachment with our president. Most of the big companies in Brazil had huge problems with capital allocation, especially state-owned companies like Petrobras. Vale made bad bad investments over the last 10 years. Now things are starting to get better. Most companies are being more rational, spending their capital. And things are becoming better in the side of the companies. Companies made huge debt to make those bad investments, especially the big companies, as I said. And now companies are more rational. So I believe there was the political side that increased the cost of capital and bad capital allocation that now companies are, are much better than what they did in the past. So when you see the, the net debt in Brazil, it decreased from three to one over the, over the last five years. Brazilian companies are very strong now, and I believe they are more rational than they were in the past. Okay, so let's talk about the political side, because we keep hearing about elections that are up in Brazil. And again, this is an audience which is you know, largely going to be from the U.S., but talk through sort of the way the political side looks this year in terms of the different parties evolved. What are the expectations as far as economic reform? You know, and and how does that? You know, are the probabilities changing mm-hmm. uh, kind of rapidly around around positive things happening with whoever might be in charge next? An election with two strong candidates. Most of other candidates are not strong in the polls. So we have Bolsonaro, which is the actual president of Brazil. And we have Lula on the other side, 
He is a former president of Brazil. Both have a very different opinion about economy and reforms, etc. So Lula is more on the left side of the equation, and Bolsonaro is more on the right side of the equation. But doing reforms in Brazil is very hard for both sides. The Congress in Brazil is is dominated by what we call centrão, which is like big center. And it's very hard to make huge reforms here in Brazil. I believe more in small reforms. And I believe that if Bolsonaro wins, which is which is not the, the, the actual scenario right now, Lula is in front of the polls, maybe we can see some, but not big, uh, reforms. And if Lula wins, I believe that we won't see any reforms at all. Is it fair to say that the markets in Brazil would like status quo? Because like in the U.S., there's an argument that, you know, if you have mm -hmm. Congress being one party and <laughs> the president being another, that things just kind of don't change. Mm -hmm. And that's bullish because, right? So, so is it the same dynamic in Brazil? Actually, in Brazil, we have something like 40 parties. In the United States, you have something like two parties, right? So we have something like 40 parties in Brazil, and the Congress is not dominated by any party. We have this huge block that we call, as I said, Centrão, which is like big center. They are not related to both sides of the president's candidates. So uh, I believe that if we have an election this year, we have, even if Bolsonaro wins, which I believe that most part of the, the market supports, I don't believe that we have, we are going to see huge reforms over the last next five years or so. Just no political will to do it. I believe he has some political will, but it's very, it's very hard to, to explain what happens in Brazilian politics for for an audience like this you need to even i don't understand what happens in brazil especially in the congress and the senate it's very hard to do any kind of reform because we have all kind of lobby happening in brazil i believe more in small reforms like for example uh, eletrobras which is a bit it's the biggest company in utilities in brazil it's been privatized right now. This is a uh, important but small reform. I believe we'll see some new competitive forces in in the utilities in Brazil. But this the kind of reform that I that I believe we can see if Bolsonaro wins. If Lula wins, I, I'm not bullish with any reforms at all. And the only way that the stock market in Brazil can go up if is if Iron ore goes up and oil goes up. So one of the, the things that's interesting about Brazil is what's going on. You can argue some degree of adoption when it comes to cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin in particular. Oh, very good question. About Bitcoin, I I, I prefer not to talk about because I, I don't have anything to add. But I know that Brazil is, I know that Bitcoin is very popular in Brazil. I saw a list of which countries are the most active buying Bitcoin. And I saw that Brazil is something like the seventh or sixth country that that buy more Bitcoin over the last uh, year. So it's very popular here in Brazil, but I can't see any practical adoption like buying stuff with Bitcoin, not in my circle.
But as you said, fintechs in Brazil, they grew a lot over the neck over the last five years. Nubank, as you said, is a very important bank in Brazil right now. They are not very profitable, as you see, but they have huge. Uh, they have a huge number of uh, clients. I believe that most of their clients are. They have account in Nubank because it's cheaper than other banks. The other banks in Brazil, they work like an oligopoly. As I said, they charge their clients with fees, monthly fees to have an account. That's not very common in other countries. I believe that in in USA, you don't have this kind of fees. The, the Brazilian banks charge fees, higher fees and very high fees from their clients. So over the over the decades, Brazilian banks were the most profitable in the world in, in terms of ROE. And this kind of oligopoly creates the environment for competition. And Nubank, and not just Nubank, XP and other companies, they start to attack this oligopoly. And especially with VC uh, funds, they they grew they grew a lot, and they are starting to challenge the status quo. So I believe that the profitability in the banking sector in Brazil will be lower over the next ten years. It's very hard to imagine that the profitability of the Brazilian banks will be higher when you have companies like Nubank, Inter, and XP that are charging less fees and giving a better environment for the clients. We'll be back after a quick break. Foodies unite with How You Dish. It's social media with a secret sauce. Food, the world's first network for food enthusiasts. How You Dish connects foodies across the world. Share kitchen tips and recipe hacks. Discover hidden gem food joints and street food. Find foodies like you. Connect, chat, and organize meetups. How You Dish makes it simple to connect through food anywhere in the world. So, how do you dish? Download How You Dish on the Apple App Store now. So is it is it is there a large number of startups that you're seeing in the in the fintech space locally in Brazil? What what sort of the nature of entrepreneurism in the space now? Oh yeah, that's a very good question. I believe that two things happened in Brazil over the last ten years. As I said, there was an uh, oligopoly in the banking sector, and there were some reforms, small reforms that allowed some new companies to operate in Brazil. And at the same time, there was VC capital entering in Latin America, especially in Brazil. Companies like SoftBank invest hugely in Latin America. And this kind of capital allowed those companies to grow very, very, very fast. As as I, as you said, Nubank has something like 40 or 50 million clients. And 10 years ago, this company didn't exist at all. So today, it is one of the banks with more clients in Brazil, I, I don't know if it's the first or the second or the third bank with more clients in Brazil, but it's one of the biggest banks in Brazil. The problem with New Bank is that they charge very little from their clients. So they, they, 
I believe they have a very hard time to monetize their client base. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the agriculture side, Tiago. You know, there's a lot of concerns around Russia, Ukraine, mm-hmm. wheat, corn, all this, you know, kind of the ag side. Has there, have you seen any kind of recent pickup in, in activity or, or talk around the ag space and how war might be impacting demand and supply, you know, in, in Brazil? In Brazil. Actually, when the, the war started, I believe it was on last week, I don't know when, as they are Thursday. And since then, the Brazilian market is closed because it's carnival in Brazil. So people don't don't work at this time of the year. So we had just two days in the stock market. So we don't have the full picture of what's happening or what could happen in the Brazilian stock market. But I believe that we need to analyze sector by sector. And I believe that oil and gas, which is, I believe, the major sector in Ibo, probably will have a very good year because of the oil. Actually, we are, I believe, most Brazilian people, and I am against war, etc. But I believe that Petrobras will have better results because of the current situation. Why? Because the oil prices are higher and higher. And Petrobras is today a very healthy company, strong balance sheet, giving dividends for their shareholders more than 20% of dividends. So I believe that a very important part of our index will have a very strong yield, unfortunately, because of the war. As I said, large part of the population here in Brazil are against the war. I am against the war. The situation is what it is. And I believe that Petrobras and maybe some other commodity companies in Brazil, we have a good year because of the war. And the other, the other segments, I don't believe that will have huge effects. Maybe we'll see some inflation in, in stuff like food. Maybe we have some good results in commodities. But I, I don't believe that Brazil will be a major impact market as some other parts of Europe and, of course, Russia will be with this kind of crisis. So, so Tiago, speaking of, of ways of investing in Brazil, so most people, I think, would probably prefer an ETF structure. It's just easier. But, you know, you're on the ground there. Talk about, you know, what do you find is most effective? Should people be stock picking? Should people be doing a broad-based approach? What's the way to get exposure? I believe that the best way to invest, not only in Brazil, but all over the world, is to do stock picking. And I, my, my most favorite stocks in Brazil, unfortunately, right now are small caps. I believe small caps have a huge discount to other stocks in the market. But unfortunately, you need to have an account in Brazil to buy most of the uh, small caps in Brazil. But even the large caps in Brazil, they are very attractive. We have some commodity, some commodity companies that are very, very competitive. I believe that's what we do best here in Brazil. The commodities in Brazil, the combined companies in Brazil are very competitive. Vale, as I said, it's a mining company. It's the largest iron ore producer in the world. Iron ore is used to produce steel. So Vale is is very competitive. I, I like this. If you, if you like commodity, you should study Vale. Uh, Petrobras which is the, the equivalent, Michael, of Gazprom from Brazil, is, is 
it's a good company today. I believe that corruption is something from the past. Right now, the balance sheet, as I said earlier, is very strong and company is starting to giving dividends for their shareholders. Petrobras is paying something like 20%. And I believe that with the the IO going up, it can increase their dividends this year. And the Brazilian banks, I believe, even with competition, they will survive. They will pay, they are paying dividends for their shareholders. You can find Brazilian banks at the the American Stock Exchange. So Itaú is a good bank. Bradesco, I like Bank of Brazil a lot. Banco do Brasil. And Eletrobras is another company. Utilities in Brazil, they pay huge dividends, something like 8, 9, 10% in local currency. Everything that I say is in local currency. So when you invest in Brazil, you need to have this in mind. You are exposure to currency risk. And in Brazil, when we have crisis, local crisis or global crisis, in most most of the crisis, to not say at all crisis, our currency gets uh, hammered. So if you if you are an investor, if, if you are an American investor, I would recommend that you have very little exposure to Brazilian stocks because the volatility here is two or three times bigger than United States. Why are you interested in our small country here in the in the South America? <laughs> I'm very curious. Oh, it's very rare to I, be interested in our country. I mean, honestly, it, it's kind of funny because I, I tweeted it out like towards the lobes in in first week of January. I said Brazil stocks look interesting, and it's only because I just happened to be looking at EWZ and I saw that it was pretty much at the COVID crash levels. And it's like, well, I mean, at some point it's got to move, right? At some point there's a contrarian trade, and then you think through the commodity cycle argument, and you know, clearly the momentum has been there. So, you know, I, I think from a from a U.S. perspective, the challenge everybody has is. What do you do if the U.S. markets are very, very extended? Right, you've got to put your money somewhere because if you just sit in cash, you're getting destroyed from inflation. You've got to put money at risk somehow. So where else do you put assets? And to me, the the best place to put assets or to put capital is the areas which haven't done very much for several years, right? Because every laggard becomes a leader and and back and forth. But but let's go back to the smoke. There's a lot of these zombie companies. Right, companies that arguably should not be around, but mm-hmm. have been, you know, held held up just because of stimulus and and mm-hmm. government manipulation, things like this. Is there a similar dynamic in Brazil? I Meaning, are there a lot of kind of zombie Brazil small cap companies that really shouldn't be? No, no, no. That's the advantage of being a poor country. The government is poor, and the government can't support uh, poor managed companies. So. The companies that we have in Brazil, they are survivors and they survive because they are profitable, they generate cash, they have strong balance sheet, they are very well managed. To be an entrepreneur in Brazil is very hard. It's very, very hard. It's not an easy environment for business. So if you can survive in Brazil, you are very competitive. So we don't have zombie companies in Brazil because we are a poor country. And I believe that happens in almost every poor country in the world. The, in a poor country, you don't have this huge stimulus, the, those huge checks for companies to survive. Companies need to survive on their own. 
And that's what happens in Brazil. If if you pay, take almost every company in the stock market in Brazil, almost everyone is, is profitable. Maybe no bank's not profitable, but almost every other company is profitable in Brazil. And most of them are competitive in their segment. Uh, I assure you, being an entrepreneur is hard in the hard in the U.S. too. It's not maybe not as hard as Brazil, but it is certainly not not easy here. From a sensitivity to oil shocks perspective, and I just don't know the answer to, the, to this, but <clears throat> the oil's up, up. I just saw it's up like ten percent. I think intraday. How? how- sensitive is the Brazilian economy oil shocks compared to, let's say, the U.S. or other parts of the world? I mean, what's sort of the energy landscape look like? I believe I, I believe I might be wrong, but I believe that we are net exporter of oil today. We export more oil than we that we have that we import here in Brazil. But of course, we have a poor population and transportation it's a very important part of the the family budget here in Brazil. So when the the oil prices go up, inflation inflation go up here in Brazil, and it affects the poor very hard because transportation is a very important part of their expenditures. So we have this kind of ambiguity for. Petrobras, it's profit. It's it's profitable to have the oil at these prices. We have a very competitive company here in Brazil called Petrobras, but for the population, it's it's not a good thing. So today, Petrobras is not a popular company here in Brazil because of that. They are increasing prices almost every week, and population is not happy with that because. Everything is going higher and higher and higher, and people can't afford to this kind of uh, increasing prices anymore. So I, I would say that we have this both sides of the equation. It's good for Petrobras, but it's not good for the major part of the population. And inflation is something that we can see with our eyes today, unfortunately. Actually... This is a very important risk that everybody that's listening to, to us right now needs to know. There is the currency risk in Brazil. It's it's huge. It's huge. You need to put that in your in your in your risks. Because this is not Europe, this is not China. Brazil has a lot of volatility in its own currency. But but the currency has both sides. It can go up, it can go down. In 2011, 10 years ago, an, the, the currency in Brazil was overvalued. An apartment in Rio de Janeiro was more expensive than an, the, the same apartment in New York. Why? Because our currency was strong at this time. And I believe that our currency is undervalued right now. An apartment in Rio de Janeiro is less expensive than in Turkey. It was, I believe, one year ago, less expensive than an apartment in Moscow. I believe Moscow right now is cheaper. But I believe that Brazil, of the huge emerging markets in the world, is one of the, the countries with the most, with the least expensive currency. Brazil is very cheap. And those things are cyclical. 
And I believe mm-hmm. that we are in the part of the cycle that things are very inexpensive here in Brazil. The currency is inexpensive and the the companies in Brazil are very cheap in terms of P ratio, in terms of dividend yield, in price book value. And I believe that if I were an, an American investor, I would invest a little bit in Brazil because everything here is cheap. Knowing that it's a risky country, this is not like buying a Coca-Cola stock. This is like going to hell. <laughs> this is a very risky part of the world. I believe the worst case scenario is if Lula wins and he he starts to do some things that he didn't do in the past, like increasing tax, increasing the number of public employees, doing things with Petrobras that were bad and were done in the past, repeating what he and his successor so Saxo did with Petrobras, it would be terrible to the country. I don't believe that even if he wins, he'll do most of the terrible things that he can do. But I, I'm, I don't believe that most of the investors in Brazil have 100% trust in, in President Lula. I don't believe that it will happen before elections. Okay. I I. I won't go into details right now, but former President Temer, he did some things. Uh, he, he, he wrote some contracts with Petrobras that if Petrobras lower the prices, the government should pay for this, this lower price. And this was a tested contract. The, it was tested in the past, and the government even during the Timur administration, needed to pay Petrobras shareholders for these losses. So since then, no president has done this, which is decrease the prices of oil in Brazil. Uh, I don't believe that it will happen before elections. And I believe that even if Lula wins, uh, he will have some difficulties to to overcome this conflict. What's the way to hedge Brazil? So in other words, you know, everyone's nervous mm-hmm. about volatility and you know, obviously you go long a thesis, but you know, if you're trying to protect against sort of the, the extremes, what's what's a way that mm-hmm. investors can can be exposed to Brazil but hedge against some of the some of the volatility that, that seems to be picking up across the board here? Uh, I will tell you what I do as I as a Brazilian investors uh, as a Brazilian investor, I invest in American companies. Because something happens when we have a crisis here in Brazil, even local crisis or global crisis, the scenario is all the same. The Brazilian stock exchange goes down and the dollar goes up. So if I have part of my portfolio in a strong currency like US dollar, especially American stocks, I have part of my of my portfolio that's hedged against uh, the volatility that we see in Brazil. As a foreign investor, I believe that you need to have a different approach. I believe that you need to diversify. So I wouldn't invest, if I were an American investor, I wouldn't invest more than 5% in Brazil, but I would invest even lower percent, maybe one, two, three in Brazil at maximum, because the volatility here is very high. I don't believe that 
most American investors are used to see the kind of volatility that we see in Brazil. I, I, I incentivize everybody to, to go and see EWZ and see the kind of volatility that you see here in Brazil. It's very huge. I don't believe that most investors are capable of dealing with this kind of, of, of volatility. So you need to diversify. And besides diversification, I believe that you can hedge the currency risk it might be expensive, so you need to, to, to see this with your bank. And you can invest in things that are less, have less correlation with Brazilian markets, especially strong markets like United States and Europe. The correlation is very low with the Brazilian stock exchange. And that in and of itself is probably the most appealing aspect of it. it, it so, so I'm always amazed by the uh, engagement whenever I tweet. Brazil. I don't know if it's bots. I don't know if it's just a very no. strong sort of retail community. But <laughs> what what is the nature? I am curious. What is the nature of sort of the on the ground excitement? Meaning, do you see like you know years ago you'd have all these news stories about you know in China when China's markets were hot you'd have all these new investors coming in retail accounts would be opening up you know like gangbusters every day. What what's sort of the 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 skew of institutional versus retail in right in terms of the active traders? There were some things that happened in Brazil the last five, uh, five years, especially the interest rates, they get lower over the last five years. It decreased over the last 12 months, but over the last five years, it decreased a lot. So the number of individual investors in the stock market in Brazil increased a lot. When I started my company five years ago, Brazil had 500,000 investors, and now we have 5 million investors in Brazil. It's 10 times higher than it was five years ago. And Brazilian, Brazil, Brazilian people are very active on social media. Uh, Brazil is the second country in the world where people spend time on social media. Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube. Brazil is very huge on social media. Brazilians like to, to see what's happening in other people's lives. And they, Brazil is, Brazilian people are very social. So we spend lots of time on social media. And I believe the third point is that it's very rare to see someone from abroad to say good things about your country. So when someone like Michael say that he's bullish on Brazil, people, people get happy because it's not something that we see every day. I guess I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> I don't know how, how that 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 if that's true, but I guess I guess that makes some sense. Okay, so so we we covered a lot of different uh, areas. Let's hit a little bit on this point about state controlled versus non state controlled. And I just don't know the the details on that end. But you know, there there's always this sort of concern that uh, when you invest in anything that's state owned or partially state owned, mm-hmm. you know, they don't care. The state doesn't care about as much about profitability. Right, as opposed right. to purely private, right? So, mm-hmm. so talk about how how is that in in Brazil? Meaning, how many stocks are have some kind of state ownership? Or do they tend to perform better or worse than more private enterprises? Just talk mm-hmm. through that dynamic. I believe we have something like ten big companies in Brazil that are state owned companies. Uh, Petrobras, which is our equivalent to Gazprom, our iron gas company, we have just one iron gas company in Brazil. Russia, I believe, they have three. Uh, state-owned companies in Brazil have just one. We have Bank of Brazil, which is one of the biggest banks in Brazil. It's a very well-run bank. 
Actually, it's a very well-run bank. It's four times earnings. It's paying like 10 times P ratio. It's one of the biggest position in our fund. I like Bank of Brazil. I like Petrobras. Actually, I like Electrobras, which is an utility company, generation, transmission of energy in Brazil. They, they are the largest energy company in Brazil, utility energy company in Brazil. And, and we have another small state-owned companies that are local, like, for example, the Bank of Hills, a small state here in Brazil. It's a small state. It's an important state in the south of Brazil, and they have their own bank. And we have some local state-owned companies, but those three are the largest ones. Petrobras, Banco do Brasil, and Eletrobras. One oil company, one bank, and one utility company. The other companies are all private companies. The state is not in control of any of other companies. And it's important to to say that we saw lots of changes in the governments of the state-owned companies over the last five years. Five years ago, the state-owned companies in Brazil were run like Russian state-owned companies. Corruption. They were used to political purpose, geopolitical purpose. They they were used to control inflation, decrease prices. They were used to put some friends of the government at jobs for those those people. They were very inefficient in very in every kind of way. Corruption, mis capital misallocation, they were inefficient in their operations. But when President Dilma fought with the impeachment, things started to change. And those companies started to be more efficient in every kind of way. Corruption decreased, capital misallocation decreased, and efficiency increased. Today, the last time that I saw, Petrobras had a higher margin than Apple. Uh, and, and you can say, but they are not in the sec- same sector. And you are right. Petrobras today has a higher margin than ExxonMobil. Can you believe that? Yes, because the, the assets are very competitive. Petrobras can produce oil uh, in their fields offshore that are very efficient in terms of cost. And today, I would say that Petrobras is one of the best run companies and in the sector, in the world. But the future is always unpredictable. And the, the, the president that started the corruption or that was active during the worst times of the corruption, he claimed a side in the election and he might win. So that's a question mark that we have when we analyze a company like Petrobras. Is he going to do the same things that he done in the past? I believe that there are some difficulties if he wants that, because the, the civil society, the press, everybody's watching today things that weren't happened 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Social media didn't exist 20 years ago. So today, the, the society as a whole pressures a lot. And I believe that the kind of corruption that we saw in the past is a thing of the past. I think that's a uh, perfect way to end it. Everybody, please make sure you follow Tiago. Uh, Tiago, I appreciate the hour here.
The content in this program is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any information or other material as investment, financial, tax, or other advice. The views expressed by the participants are solely their own. A participant may have taken or recommended any investment position discussed, but may close such position or alter its recommendation at any time without notice. Nothing contained in this program constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in any jurisdiction. Please consult your own investment or financial advisor for advice related to all investment decisions. Don't forget to follow at Lead Lag Report on X, Instagram, Threads, and YouTube, and check out the Lead Lag Report at www.leadlagreport.com. Use promo code PODCAST30 for two weeks free and 30% off to get access to award-winning research and anticipate stock market crashes, corrections, and bear markets.